Welcome into Bearcat Rewind. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast, episode number 47 for us here. And we're recording this one on October 6th. It's homecoming week at Northwest Missouri State University. We should be getting set for the variety show with the M Club Hall of Fame inductions and, of course, a football game Saturday afternoon. We don't have that right now, but we're not going to complain. Got to find the bright spots in life, right? That's what it's all about, the silver linings. As was announced last week by the MIAA and discussed on this podcast with Andy Peterson, basketball is locked in to start in November, so the Bearcats will be on the road to start this season at Northeastern State, the women's and men's teams. We might even see some Northwest football later this fall. That's to be determined. We'll see how things pan out. And we will be getting volleyball and soccer coming up in the spring. So the Bearcats will return soon. Now to help fill that void in the meantime, why not hear from one of the greatest kickers in Northwest Missouri State football history? Tommy Freevert suited up in the green and white from 2005 to 2008 and pretty high up in many different all-time stat categories, just breaking it down by career numbers. He is second in extra points made, third in career field goals, third in playoff scoring, and fourth in career points. So not too bad for the young man from Lee Summit, Missouri. During his career, Northwest was a combined 50-9, and nine, so Tommy in that class of 2008 found tons of success, including four straight championship appearances. And after college, he spun that kicking success into a career in indoor football. He played with the Kansas City Renegades, Oklahoma Defenders, and the Salina Bombers of the Champions Professional Indoor Football League. Then in 2015 and 2016, played for the Philadelphia Soul of the Arena Football League. During both of those years with the Soul, he was the AFL Kicker of the Year, and they won the Arena Bowl Championship in 2016 over the Arizona Rattlers. So the guy's a big leg, and he won a whole lot of football games in college, and then again in the pros as well. A Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. Support also comes from Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a team of local providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. We covered a lot of topics with Tommy Freevert from coming to Northwest and playing for Coach T to being called on for a clutch kick as a freshman in his first game ever and eventually rubbing elbows with some of the all-time greats in the professional football ranks. Let's dive into this week's episode of Bearcat Rewind. Today we have one of the best kickers in Northwest Missouri State history. It is Tommy Freevert joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. And Tommy, we appreciate you coming on and uh, how things been for you lately. Well, I appreciate you guys giving me a call and, and having me on here. I think it's been going Really well. Uh, started my own physical therapy office down here in Blue Springs and tackling all sorts of new stuff in life, I guess. As you're going through and, and, and a student here at Northwest Missouri State and a freshman here back in uh, 2005 with the football team, was owning a business something you had in mind at that time, or has that just kind of progressed over the years? That has definitely uh, progressed over the years. When I was up there in 05, it seems like so long ago, uh, I was kind of just living, living life as it came. Just a young kid wanting to, wanting to play football and and win football games. So uh, definitely was not in my realm. Actually, when I got up there, I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be an FBI agent. Is what my when I came to Northwest, that's what my goal was when I graduated. So it changed just a little bit. Just a little bit. Physical therapy now is that correct? Yes, sir. 
Awesome. Now, if, if folks are around the Blue Springs area or, or looking for a good place, what's the name of your business? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, my business is called All In Physical Therapy. And the uh, best way to get a hold of me, the phone number would be 816-269-3936. And uh, we're going through the opening process. And right now, you can only see Medicare patients and self-pay patients as it comes out. And uh, you got credentialing you got to go through with all the insurance companies, which takes a couple months. So got to filter through all that kind of stuff. And, and why I'm doing that, just making sure I got everything up and going for hopefully January, February, when I get all those credentialing things ironed out that I can open up full go with whoever walks through the doors. Setting that base layer and that foundation now for getting things going, all in physical therapy there in Blue Springs, and uh, chatting here with uh, Tommy Freevert. And yeah, Tom, if we we do dial it back about fifteen years, you're here at Northwest Missouri State, and not sure if you have it in your mind as you become a Bearcat and you put that green and white on for the first time, but you walk away as one of the most prolific kickers in Northwest history. I mean, do you feel that? in the moment when you're playing for such high-flying offenses and there's so many points putting, being put up that you're going to be somewhere pretty high up in those record books? That uh, I didn't really hit my mind until, I think, after I, after I graduated. I was, I was enjoying playing all the relationships and teammates that I had up there with all the guys with football that still have today. Uh, that's what it was for me, man. I had so much fun playing up there. Uh, just trying to live in the moment. College football was a lot, a lot of fun. It goes quick. Doesn't seem like it because you think, oh, I got four years to play. Well, four years swings by and you're like, oh crap, where did time go? Uh, then you get out of school and definitely, uh, definitely wish you'd go back to playing again because that, that time goes by pretty quick. Well, and I think we could probably ask every player that we have on here about it, but, I mean, Mel Churchma, a legend, a college football Hall of Famer, but what was he like whenever you are 18, 19, 20 years old, you're going to practice, you're seeing him every day, and, you know, for for those of us that mainly just saw him on Saturdays and kind of knew him as the great Mel Churchma, what was he like day-to-day as a coach and as a person? Uh, he, was, uh, he was a very, very interesting guy. He, he could get the most out of players. Uh, and that's obviously why he was so dang successful up there. Uh, he found ways to motivate people and uh, can get the most out of his players and demands everybody takes responsibility and be accountable for what they do. Uh, big thing was you've got you've got one job. You're one of eleven people. Do your job, and the team will be fine. Don't try to go out there and do everything yourself. Uh, doing that team mentality and Definitely the one thing that stands out in practice was you knew you were doing doing something wrong when he would he would get out there and go, What are we doing out here? That was it was kinda like, Oh crap, we're in trouble. Uh <laughs> that's uh that was that was one of the funniest things in practice because you've got he wasn't uh he wasn't one of those coaches that would get all up in your face and and scream and yell at you and do that kind of stuff. He did everything with the utmost respect for every single player that he played that played for him. And it was uh, it was looking back on it, it was definitely definitely one of, if not the best coach I've ever played for. Was there kind of a, a fun yin and yang, kind of the 
the opposites as far as Coach G did always seem like, for the most part, very calm and very just, you know, focused on what he's doing and, and didn't really get too over the top unless it was necessary. But then Coach Boswick, so much energy and would, would be riding players and riding the officials, but then celebrating right there with them too. I mean, what was that dynamic like And you're seeing those two on the sideline? Uh, yin and yang is a pretty good way of describing it. And uh, with how calm Coach Churchill was all the, all the time, you had Boswick and you had Doral uh, to get after him. And he had uh, our offensive coordinator at the time that went down to Missouri Southern, Tatum. Oh, Bart Tatum, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Tatum, Doral, and Boswick to kind of offset how calm and collected uh, Churchill was all the time because he, I, I can't really recall very many times where I saw Churchill really um, lose his cool, except for maybe a handful of times uh, over the years. But Tatum and Boswick and Doral were the were the opposite of that. They definitely got into you, which was good, and they. I mean, they had the same type of mentality as Coach Wilson was getting stuff out of players and making sure he did your job. And uh, all of those coaches obviously worked very well together because, I mean, shoot, over those those four years I was up there, I think we won 50, 50 games or something like that in four years. And coming from a high school, that I think I won seven games in three years, flipping it to a – college program my freshman year just riding the high of winning games and going to the national championship it was just like this is what <laughs> this is what fun is you know just going up there and winning and being in, in the huddles with all the players that we had up there that were just just amazing players to be around both on and off the field and they kept you constantly busy throughout your four years you finish up second most extra points in northwest history as it stands now third in career field goals and there are a lot of games with a pretty wide point margin. Whenever you're going out to kick in a 30-point blowout and, and knocking through those extra points and field goals, can that prepare you for the clutch ones that you would face in tight games? Are you able to get comfortable? Or does does a little bit change when you're in that big moment knowing that uh, you need a field goal to win a football game? Well, I think uh, a lot of the stuff in practice, we did a lot of every, just about every day in practice, we did the snappers and kickers after practice and we put a lot of work in with our unit. And then, like you said, I had lots of practice. Uh, our offense was, during those four years I was up there, they were they were highly efficient in scoring touchdowns, which was nice from my standpoint because a 10-yard extra point is a lot easier to make than a 40, 50-yard field goal. So uh, just being having all those repetitions and making it in the games and uh, just made you that more comfortable when you go out there that everything is going to, the ball is going to be snapped right, the line's going to block the way they're supposed to, the, the hold's going to be there, and and then all I have to do is take my two or three steps and, and swing and do my part. When you kind of got that trial by fire uh, right away, your first game as a freshman, 2005, at Mankato, Minnesota, called on an overtime for a kick to put Northwest up in front. I believe Northwest had the first possession. You get called out, make your kick. Mankato missed theirs, and Northwest wins it in OT. Do you remember that football game at all and, and what those emotions were like a little bit coming down the stretch for that football game? I do. I do. That uh, that game, I think I, I missed my first field goal opportunity uh, early in the game. And so uh, that uh, – 
that definitely made me focus a lot more when I was in overtime. Obviously, the game's on the line and all this and all that. And uh, but uh, definitely wanting to, I can still remember that it was a long drive home after that. It was a fun drive home because because we won. But uh, yeah, that that game was a lot of fun and um, it was nice to to be given the opportunity to step up for the team when when I was called on. Well, that year, 2005, and of course, no way to know it as you go into it, but that starts a five-year run of national championship appearances for Northwest Missouri State. Do you feel that something special is happening when you're in that moment of going through with those guys, which eventually that team became Road Dogs, but did you kind of feel, man, we've got something really special brewing here? Definitely after the first couple games, it felt uh, coaches did a really good job of letting us know how the team was built. And how it kind of, I still remember the, the, the national championship game that before Coach was talking about, uh, Coach Churchill was talking about how this team got formed with, uh, our long snapper, uh, Cody Lannis was supposed to go to the military, but backed out at the last second, I guess, and then came to Northwest, which, uh, he ended up being our long snapper for the four years he was up there, uh, Brisbane was another freshman that was up there, a little Maryville, Maryville guy, and uh, he had to step up because we had some injuries that pulled that pulled his red shirt to be a receiver and return guy. And then you had uh, Lambo coming off his injury and some other some other. Uh, we had uh, a couple of transfers that year as well, and it was just uh, he went through and just named all these specific people like. You lined up and you kind of look back at the year and it's kind of like, man. And you had uh, Andre Rector and making all sorts of catches with E.J. Faulkner making all sorts of catches throughout the year and Mike Peterson. And he's just, uh, and then Xavier Roman doing what he did over four years was was awesome. That is, is a special group of guys uh, every year, but that freshman year was, was a lot of fun. Uh, especially from the program that I came from high school wise to a program that had the winning, uh, the winning feeling and you just felt something was special in between. It's kind of hard to, hard to, uh, describe in person, but you just get a feeling that all the guys, the team, there's something special going on. And, uh, obviously we went on to do the four away games. Uh, and made it to national championship. Unfortunately, fell up a little short, but uh, getting there was still pretty amazing. Well, yeah, and you mentioned it there. Four games on the road in the playoffs from uh, San Angelo, Texas, Topeka, Kansas, Pittsburgh, Kansas, Florence, Alabama, back-to-back weeks after uh, you know that game against North Alabama, then facing Grand Valley State the next week. Was there a little bit more pressure? Or did it kind of ease your mind a little bit playing in Florence on the field against the team hosting the national championship that following week, knowing that, man, if we win, we're getting right back on this same spot? It was definitely a little different uh, down there in Florence because obviously you get to see the the national championship stadium and everything like that, and you're playing the the host team. But... uh, I've always felt uh, more comfortable on the road for some reason. And one of the one of my coaches uh, that I played for uh, in the Arena Football League up there in Philadelphia, uh, Clint Dozell, he uh, he kind of put it into words a lot easier 
which made a lot more sense when I felt more comfortable on the road. Um, kind of everybody, everybody's hating on you at home. Obviously, you're expected to win. You've got a lot more expectations at home uh, to live up to. You go on the road, you know it's it's your team versus the versus the world because everybody that is at that stadium is rooting against you. So, uh, I mean, in college, it's fifty. Uh, what did you travel? 60, 50, 50, 60 people versus everybody else out there on the field, and sometimes you're fighting the refs too. Uh, so it just brings your team a little bit closer. Uh, and I, I don't know. We we had a really good team, really close knit team, and we were able to go on the road and get those get those victories. When you're coming out of Lee Summit North and and playing football, soccer, basketball, tennis, and uh, from what I've read, a standout player, especially in soccer, there your senior year. How'd you end up at Northwest Missouri State playing football? I uh, sent my tapes and stuff to all the all the schools I could think of. Uh, I started my recruiting oh, a lot late than what I should have, uh, as far as um, getting my tapes out for football kicking. I didn't really get a chance to be the starting kicker until my senior year, so I was throwing all my tapes and stuff out and. Uh, I uh, sent stuff to Northwest, obviously, and some other schools. And uh, I think I was at school one day, and I think my dad called to follow up on one of the videos I sent Northwest, and they called back and asked when I could come up for a workout. And uh, I just happened to be up on my way to Des Moines, Iowa, sometime in March or April or something like that. And I was on my way to a soccer tournament up in Des Moines, Iowa for my uh, competitive soccer team I was playing for and uh, made a pit stop in Maryville. Uh, did all my extra points and my field goals and kickoffs for, for Coach Churchma and uh, Coach Wright. And then I think there was a guy named Ryan Harrison was out there as well. That was the kicking coach that was up at Northwest my freshman year. They were all there watching me, working me out. And then uh, they said they'd be in touch. And then I kept on going <laughs> to Des Moines for my soccer tournament that weekend. And, uh, they offered me a preferred walk-on spot. Was uh, just wouldn't be on scholarship, but I would I'd be able to come to camp, and if I would win the starting spot, then I would earn my scholarship that that next spring. And uh, that's I had some had some luck in camp, and that's kind of what happened, and was able to was able to uh, get that spot. Well, you have a standout career at Northwest Missouri State after after earning that spot, and then beyond the Bearcats, professionally pretty successful as well, playing for teams like Kansas City Renegades, Oklahoma Defenders, Salina Bombers, all for the Champions Pro uh, Professional Indoor Football League. But then in 2015 and 2016, you're lighting it up for the Philadelphia Soul of the Arena Football League. I mean, is that a career path that you expected that you'd finish up as a Bearcat and, and have those opportunities to carry on professionally, or were you kind of thinking about a few other things at that point? Uh, no, I mean, everybody, I think everybody at one point wants to play professional sports. Um, and that was my goal. And I, after college, I did a, uh, they're now the NFL regional combines, but at that time it was a different, different program. Um, and I did a regional combine up in Baltimore and then got invited to a, uh, the national elite elite national combine i think they were called the elite regional combines and if you got rated uh eight and a half or higher out of ten then you were able to be an invitation to the national one where they had all 32 nfl teams 
come and and look at you, and I was able to do that. Did pretty well, and that sparked my interest to continue on with football while I was in PT school. And then I did another two years later. I did another system with uh, with the elite combines and rated high enough to get in in the national combine again. And uh, did well there again. Just nothing, nothing ever happened with that, unfortunately. And um, then, like you said, I got on with the Renegades there in Kansas City, uh, 2014. Played with them, and then unfortunately, they they got kind of shut down. And then played the next. My wife and I traveled uh, therapy-wise around the states, and then we played down in Oklahoma for a year, and then they fell through, and then. Uh, I was playing with the Bombers out in Salina in 2015, working with another guy. All this time, I was doing traveling and contract therapy to try to see if I could do anything in the NFL and football. And I had a guy who was um, talking to the Lions for me. We had some pretty good leads on that. And then um, they ended up signing a, uh, Kyle something out of Notre Dame. And then I got my shot to go play with Philadelphia. And uh, then I ended up getting a workout with the New York Jets in 2015 after my first year in the Arena Football League, which sparked my interest to come back and play another year in 2016 to see if I could repeat and get another workout with the NFL. And uh, it didn't happen, obviously. And then so baby number two came and uh, I had to kind of give up that childhood dream of playing, playing in the NFL and go He'll be a uh, he'll be a dad and husband and family man instead of a kind of a road warrior. What I was doing with working and being gone every weekend. So, well, awesome to be able to go for it and, and, and have those opportunities. And, and obviously, you got to respect that going back and kind of taking those duties on as a father and as a husband and, and pushing forward with that. But I mean, two years in Philadelphia and uh, AF, AFL kicker of the year in each of those seasons, winning the AFL title there in 2016. That kind of had to be just a wild ride, too, of being in the big city, uh, playing some very competitive, high-level football there, and winning it all. It was uh, Arena football was definitely a lot different. Uh, <laughs> kickers are a lot, a lot different in that league. Uh, <laughs> onside kicks are really important. You're, I think, one year... I don't know how many extra points I made at Northwest, but I think one year at one year in Philadelphia, I attempted attempted like 160, 167 extra points or something like that. Wow! And one year, it's just like holy cow, we're kicking, you know, nine to eleven extra points a game, and uh, in one season, kicked at least I don't know 200 or was it 300. 50 some extra points in in two years wow and so they're doing all then you got the the bars and stuff like that which are a lot of fun to try to hit the ball off of and uh onside kicks like i said were a big a big process and i still got a lot of a lot of uh friendships from from those teams that i keep in contact with and uh yeah life definitely gets a huge shout out on that one because she she went through a lot when I got called up to go play in Philly because we had just had our first baby and, and she was seven months old when I got the phone call and had to drop everything and move to Philly for five months. We had just moved into our new house. 
but she had to take care of it. Seven month old baby, a new house, and water the yard, <laughs> and all that <laughs> stuff. So, and then the next year, she was pregnant, and I was able to I was able to uh, work here in Kansas City and fly out for the game. Uh, but she still had to take care of the. At that time, I guess our daughter was a year and a half. She had to take care of a year and a half girl while being pregnant with our second kiddo, and I was able to take our young, our oldest daughter, a couple couple trips because the front office people in the solar were awesome, and and they would watch her during the games and stuff like that. But That's definitely awesome. wouldn't have been able to do all the football stuff with my wife wouldn't have been able to uh, let me do it. So. Well, a great experiences there too, and if you look at Philadelphia too, I mean they always had some um, ownership, I guess, that people knew very well around the country and around Philadelphia. Ron Jaworski, when you were there as a, a majority owner, prior to that, John Bon Jovi had it as well as the early in the two thousands. I mean, you're rubbing elbows with some pretty big people there in Philly, right? It was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I used to remember when I first got called up there. There, I got lucky. There, keeping up the head. Tore his hip flexor and a groin muscle or two uh, on the first kick of the year, and that's how I got my break. I did a, I flew up there, did a workout with him the previous year, and stayed in contact with their personnel guy. And they called me, and I went up there, and I was talking to, you know, I I, I, meet, I knew Ron was there, but I got to meet Ron Jaworski, and uh, I got to meet, uh, oh, and I'm blanking on the names. He was the Philadelphia Eagles coach. Uh, they went to the Rams, and they came to the Chiefs. Oh, Dick Vermeil? Yes, I got to meet Dick Vermeil. I got to meet uh, a couple other players in the NFL, like Marquez Colson was one of our owners. Wow. He was an uh, interesting guy. I remember Ron, Ron introduced me to him, and like, you know who Marquez Colson is, right? And I go, oh, yeah, he, he wins me fancy games all the time. I got him on my fancy roster, and I gave him <laughs> both of them. They both comment. Uh, went back up there to get our championship rings. I got to have about a 10-minute conversation with Joe Flacco. He was there to, hmm. he was, I was looking over there, that guy looks really familiar. You know? I'm like, didn't it just hit me? Like, that's Joe Flacco. And I was like, <laughs> holy cow, what the heck's he doing here at one of our football games? And, you know, just found some time, went up and introduced myself to him. And he was a really nice guy. I just sat there and talked to him for about 10 minutes. And he was there with his wife and his kiddos. And I introduced my wife and my kids with him. And he, uh, he took a picture with my wife and my kids, and we had a, a lot of fun, a lot of good family family memories and trips from the, those experiences. Well, that's awesome. I mean, a great career at Northwest Missouri State. Then you get to go up there and win a championship, two-time kicker of the year in the Arena Football League and, and doing some big things there. So that's really awesome. And we're, we're wrapping up here with you, Tommy. We appreciate you coming on the podcast, chatting with us a little bit. I've got a couple more quick ones. That I'll hit you with, and then I'll let you go, okay? So we crossed paths. We didn't cross paths. We overlapped just a little bit. When you were wrapping up your, your career here at Northwest Missouri State, I was just a freshman and sophomore. So okay. we were overlapping just a little bit, and, and I had heard some rumors that you were an Oakland Raiders fan, which I am as well. And so I didn't know if that was true. And so I'm like, after all these years, I have to get to the bottom of this and find out if Tommy is also a Raiders fan. That is, that is very true. Uh, I do catch some flack for that, obviously, being here. <laughs> Growing up in uh, Lee Summit, I mean, how does that happen? <laughs> well, it happens from, uh, I was a kicker in high school, obviously, and the uh, 
Uh, they gave me defensive lineman pads, and they gave me a huge helmet. <laughs> and uh, so I was about the same height I was with Northwest and about the same weight, but they gave me defensive lineman pads, so it made me look huge. And uh, Janikowski just came out a couple of years before that, being drafted number one uh, in the first round and being the biggest kicker, literally the biggest kicker, and then figuratively with his leg, the strongest kicker. And so I would come off the field after a touchback or something like that. And some guys would always go, Janikowski. And I just kind of <laughs> grew from uh, being a Janikowski fan and grew into a Raiders fan and and uh, it's kind of stuck with me ever since. That's awesome. And that's not easy to do either with the years they've had. So I respect that. Um, <laughs> what, it's been kind of brutal some years. Yeah. Yes. It has. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the longest kick? Practice, games, no matter what. What's the longest kick you've ever made? Uh, well, the longest kick I've got on video, I think, was when I was up in Colorado. I was working in Colorado and uh, Colorado State University at Pueblo. Uh, I was working at Pueblo, Colorado, and uh, their their college was nice enough to let me use their field and practice on and, and do a bunch of videos. And I think the longest field goal I have on that field or one of the high schools up there was 70, 70 yards, I think. Wow. You, you made that? Yeah. It's somewhere on YouTube. That's insane. I, but. <laughs> All right. I'm going to look that up and then put that link in the podcast. Uh, whenever people look in the description, we'll find it there. Um, 70 yards. That's crazy. And Okay. What's the uh, – we see- The longest one in a game was uh, back in 2015. I uh, was playing with the Salina Bombers, uh, the champions indoor football league. We were up in uh, Sioux City, Iowa. And uh, that game, I had a 58-yarder, a 50-yarder, uh, two 30-yarders, and something else. I think I had five field goals that game. Man. That's probably my, that's my longest field goal in a game, 58. That's impressive, too, especially in an, an indoor league, too. That's tough. Um, so we've seen a lot of different kicker celebrations over the year. I think back, Martin Chromatic, I think he tore something back in the early 2000s celebrating not too long ago. Harrison Butker kicked one and just turned and walked off and made the game winner. What is, in your mind, the best kicker celebration? Oh, boy, I don't know. Uh, Grammaticas would have been pretty sweet if he wouldn't have tore his ACL after something. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's always fun to... Uh, when some kickers make the they make the game winning field goal, they take their helmet off and just start running around with their helmet up, holding their helmet up, and then uh, obviously it's fun for me to see a kicker win the game because then the whole team jumbles around the kicker. Um, I'd probably say that just when the kickers run around, put his helmet up, excited, and the whole team comes and comes and celebrates with him. Yeah, you, you can't beat the energy and, and the feeling that has to be going through them. So. That's awesome. Tommy, that's all I had for you. I appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Um, all in physical therapy there in Blue Springs. Looking forward to seeing that get up and running and a lot of uh, Bearcats and non-Bearcats coming in to visit you. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you getting a hold of me and letting me be on your, be on your show today. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Tommy Freever for joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. 
In case you missed it, over the last few weeks, our guests have included Northwest AD Andy Peterson, wide receiver Amani Donadell, Deputy Athletic Director Lori Hopkins, former football player Roberto Davis, and many more. So check out those episodes of the podcast. Thank you for listening to Bearcat Rewind. Please subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We will talk to you again next time.